Hey, what's going on, friends and fam? It's John, and it's time for the J-Mark Cast for October 31st, 2022. What's going on? How are you? Happy Halloween. Hope yours went a little bit better than mine. Not that my Halloween was uh, terrible or anything, but just not how you picture it. You know, first had to have a talk with my son and convince him that he actually wanted to go trick-or-treating and gathering candy. He's like, oh, I don't want to do any of that. Um, I don't want to go out. It's fine. Like, it's like, what kind of kid says that they don't want to go trick-or-treating? My kid, apparently. So that was a bit of a struggle at first. Then my daughter, whom she's like, you know, only 11 months old, Obviously, trick-or-treating means nothing to her, but we bought this, like, cute little bunny costume that she was going to wear and go out, um, you know, have her come out with us as we went with my son. And she just went into, like, catastrophe mode and was crying so much leading up to the evening time that it was, like, very clear and apparent that she needs to go take a nap or just go to sleep for the rest of the night because she was not going to be able to handle going outside at all. So that didn't happen, which meant that, uh, you know, my wife and my son went out trick-or-treating while I put the daughter down to sleep and I had to stay at home, obviously, to, you know, make sure that she's okay and she's not going to wake up from her slumber. So I missed out on Halloween, missed out on taking my kid out. (laughs) He did eventually want to go. Uh, so that was a positive, but then we hit another snag where, uh, you know, my wife and my son are out and not that much time after they leave, all of a sudden I hear a really loud screech from the outside and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then the thought pops in my head. I'm like, that sounds like my kid screeching. What's going on? So I look out the window and I see that, uh, my kid is right over at the house next to me at my neighbor's house and they have this they went out all out with the halloween decorations and they had this big spider that was turns out a mechanical spider that jumps out when kids go by and my wife told me later that it timed it perfectly this spider jumping out and just jumped out right at my kid and even touched him a little bit so that scared the bejesus out of him and he just was extremely scared and pretty traumatized by it so much so that he was like basically my wife told me scared of going to any houses that had like spider cobwebs kind of uh, decorations he's like oh that house is no good they got spiders there I'm not gonna go (laughs) so basically the first house onward from starting the trick-or-treating experience for the kid he was traumatized and kind of didn't really have that much of a great time. I mean, he still had a good time, but essentially my wife was, I wasn't there. Of course, my wife was telling me that he was kind of asking to go home pretty early on and she had to continue to convince him that he wanted to go and get more treats from the neighbors. (laughs) So that was my Halloween story. Hope you guys had a better one than that. And then let's see what else happened this week. Earlier in the week, on the weekend, on Saturday, uh, wife and I and the two kids went to a friend's house for their kid's birthday party. Their kid is five years old and it was an awesome birthday party. And one of the things that made it awesome was they hired this zoo to you service where like this lady with a big van comes with a bunch of animals in the van and you know the little kid, she had all her classmates and a bunch of other friends over for the birthday party. And 
they were all sitting nicely and quietly and letting the zookeeper lady show them all these animals. So that was pretty sweet. They had all sorts of uh, reptiles and amphibians and some mammals as well. And uh, again, my uh, son was a, <laughs> a little bit scared of the animals. He really didn't want to get anywhere close to the um, snake. There was a python snake, which uh, a lot of kids were letting the uh, zookeeper lady put the python around the neck. But uh, my son was like, no, I want none of that. Even when I volunteered and had the python around me, he was like staying away, didn't want to come even touch it or anything. Uh, and then there's also like a big tarantula that he stayed away from. He did touch two animals. He touched a turtle. He touched the shell of a turtle. It was a box turtle, I think. And then there was a, um, a lizard of some sort. I can't remember exactly, but uh, he did touch the lizard as well. <laughs> and everything else, he, he was scared of the bunny. He was scared of... Um, what are they called? Like a muskrat? No, not a muskrat. Ferret. That's what it was. Uh, there was a couple of ferrets and he was scared of those as well. They did have a caiman, which is pretty cool. A caiman's like a small crocodile basically. And that I understand being scared of. Uh, it had like a tape around its mouth so that it wouldn't snap on anybody, obviously. And, uh, even though he did understand that the tape around the mouth is for safety and that way it's not going to bite anybody, he was still scared to touch it. So <laughs> there you go. That's my little boy, a bit of a scaredy cat, but what are you going to do? And then with regards to the little girl, she's been teething again. And teething for children is a very difficult time. And of course, it makes it a very difficult time for parents as well. Baby daughter's just been cr going crazy with the screams. I'm assuming she's in a lot of pain and she's letting us know about it. And, you know, not much you can do, I guess, but to just understand that, that this too shall pass. So just waiting for it to get better. I don't know. All right. That's it for um, updates on myself couple of world news stories that I caught this week. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was complaining about how PayPal had a misinformation uh, clause in their um, terms and agreements where if they deem that you're spreading some sort of misinformation, they're going to charge you a fine of $2,500. And then there was a big backlash and they uh, said that that was a mistake or we're taking it back. That's not happening again. Of course, I said that that's complete. That's a complete lie, and they're eventually going to get back to it. And it didn't take very long at all. Once the backlash ended and people forgot about it, the two thousand five hundred dollar fine for misinformation is back into their terms and agreements. So there you go. It only took uh, what a couple weeks. Another thing uh, happening in the world. I don't know if you caught this. Elon Musk finally went ahead and. Uh, finalized the purchase of Twitter. There's a hilarious video of him walking into the Twitter headquarters with like a sink, with a bathroom sink in his hands. <laughs> I guess he's trying to, uh, I don't know, play off of that, let that sink in uh, meme. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's just a picture of like a door being opened and on, on the other side, it's a sink, right? And it's supposed to be a play on the phrase, let that sink in. <laughs> and so he's just... I guess uh, relaying that meme with him walking in with a <laughs> bathroom sink into Twitter headquarters. 
And then, of course, he immediately fires like the CEO, the whatever other CFO, I don't even know, and some other people that are were responsible for all the uh, censorship that was going on on that platform. And, of course, people are super happy about this whole thing and going off and uh, retweeting all the things that got people in trouble before, got them to get their accounts suspended or banned or whatever. It's back to being a free-for-all on Twitter <laughs> in a way, but I'm keeping a bit of a reservation. I'm not 100% sure that Elon Musk has the best of intentions. I mean, he seems to, but uh, got to keep in mind that he's a bit of a shitcoiner. He thinks that Dogecoin is valuable, so... Uh, and he doesn't see the true value of Bitcoin, even though like somehow this guy was like one of the founders of PayPal. So you'd think he'd have some sort of understanding of what money is, but uh, seems to be lacking in that. Partly, I think it has to be has to do with the fact that a lot of his, his companies deal with getting money from the state, right? They're state sponsored um, um, companies. And so... You know, it's almost like he's paid not to understand, right? If the state is separated from money and they can no longer just simply tax people and print new money, then his business model might not be as successful if, you know, it can't be uh, state-sponsored. Anyway, one thing that I thought was uh, hilarious was that as soon as he was um, the, you know, the head of Twitter or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if he's the head of Twitter. He owns it now, but he fired a whole bunch of these people and he's firing all these people, uh, in a way where they're not going to be receiving any of the bonuses that, that, that there's, they're meant to receive. Um, and I guess this is, you know, partly due to the, the fact that these people are actually incompetent and have done a bad job, but also due to the fact that I think Twitter is just like not really, uh, um, financially, like viable company they've not been making money the last two years they've uh you know most of their advertising money is just spent on paying the debts that they have and they're they're just in the hole so he's like all right i'm not gonna be like these people like the ceo that he's supposed to be fired that he fired is supposed to be receiving um millions of dollars of uh like compensation for getting fired but you know, there, he's finding clauses and ways in which that he doesn't have to pay these people. Or so I've heard, you know, who knows if this is any of this true. <laughs> okay, a couple other things. One big story that I, is not being reported on very much or very little in the regular news, mainstream media, aka legacy media, is there's this whole microchip ban happening in China. Not the Chinese government, but the American government is banning any American citizen from working in China in the microchip industry. And this is a huge deal because microchips are a very valuable commodity at this point where like, you know, anything electronic runs on microchips, you need microchips to do, uh, you know, to just run any sort of piece of hardware, essentially. And the leaders in the industry are America and Korea and China imports all of its microchips for all the things that they build, right? Anything that gets built in China and sent out everywhere, they have to import a microchip to build it with. And so they actually, China as a country, spends more money on importing microchips than on oil 
into the country. Think about that, right? Like oil is the most important resource in terms of like energy and like, um, not, I was going to say sustainability, but not, not sustainability, but sovereignty as a nation. Uh, and so if, you know, you're spending more money on microchips than oil just goes to show the importance of, of, of microchips on a global stage in terms of, uh, the impact it has on how sovereign a nation is in addition to the requirements in oil. And so who knows what kind of impact this is going to have. There's some speculation that, um, this is an act by America to bait China into invading Taiwan because, uh, in addition to Korea, Taiwan is another powerhouse of, uh, uh, microchip manufacturing. Uh, there's a company called TSMC, I believe that does a huge load of production in Taiwan. And so if, uh, you know, China can't import, um, microchips, and can't have people who have the knowledge on how to make them come work in China, then who knows what they might do, right? They might be uh, baited into, you know, attacking Taiwan and taking over this huge company TSMC in there. Just speculation, of course. But uh, yeah, this is a huge news story not being covered. And the implications of which are going to be grand, but very much unknown at the moment. We'll just have to wait and see how this whole thing plays out. One more thing regarding uh, world news. A small little tidbit of information. So the United States uh, government, um, it's got a lot of loans, right? It's got a lot of money that it owes through loans, right? And... You know, one thing with loans is you got to pay the interest right on the loans. So the interest on all the loans that the U.S. government has has approached. I don't know if it's quite there yet or if it's past it, but it's if it's not past it yet, it's almost there a trillion dollars. So annually, every year, the U.S. government must pay a trillion dollars of interest on all its bonds, all its loans. So. That is a staggering number, first of all, a trillion dollars. But what's even more crazy about it is that is larger than the military spending that they do annually. So on an annual basis now, they will have to pay more money on interest on their loans than what they pay for their military. And their military is, of course, the largest and strongest in the world. So I don't know, like (laughs) really puts it into perspective and I felt like when I read that it, my mind was blown <laughs> so just goes to show where this is all going right down the uh, toilet if you ask me so that's all the updating I'm going to do in terms of personal and news let's do a quick Bitcoin update now Okay, so we are on block height 761,272. Price of one Bitcoin is trading at 20,415 US dollars. One US dollar will buy you 4,900 Satoshis. Remember that Satoshi is the smallest subunit of a Bitcoin, which can be subdivided 100 million times. 
So if you want to buy Bitcoin, exchange your fiat dollars for Bitcoin and you live in Canada, I recommend ShakePay. I have an affiliate link that you can use in the description of this podcast, which if you use it, you will get a $10 reward for the first $100 that you use to buy Bitcoin. There are other ways of buying Bitcoin as well. It doesn't have to be uh, ShakePay. So feel free to do your own research and find your own way of doing things. With that said, let's first of all talk about Plato. Plato is well known as a Greek philosopher. One of his most famous works is called, uh, what is it called? The Republic. And um, I never read The Republic actually, but I did get an audiobook once of a, I guess, an explanation of the Republic and like lots of quotes from it and everything. And I actually thought it was very, very good and useful. And I learned some things from it. And one of the things I learned from the Republic is this allegory of the cave. And it's a really interesting story that serves as a metaphor for when we humans learn something new and how difficult learning can be. It's like this, um, destructive process where you have to destroy your old self that thought one thing you have to get rid of that and change that expunge it for and you have to create a new self who is uh filled with new knowledge that is that goes against your previous perception of things so it can be you know it can be difficult it can be destructive like i already said it can be um what was the word i'm looking for uncomfortable maybe but so yeah and I was reminded of it from reading this article that I came across so I'll read it's pretty short I think I'll read the whole thing I got this article from someone's substack if you want to find it yourself it's fiatcave.substack.com the title of the article is an allegory of monetary deception part one of four uh, this is just part one, of course, and it's just going over what the actual allegory of the cave is. So actually, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the description of the allegory of the cave itself. And then there's a whole part about where it's, where it's talking about how learning about Bitcoin is very similar to the allegory of the cave, where you have to discard your previous beliefs and kind of be able to recreate a new version of yourself where you can overcome the discomfort of you know, discarding that those old beliefs. Okay, so Plato's allegory of the cave begins with prisoners in a cave who since childhood have been chained to a wall, unable to move, staring at a blank wall in front of them. A fire burns behind them, casting a dim light onto the blank wall. There are jailers in the cave who carry objects and puppets of men and other living things in front of the fire casting shadows onto the blank wall. The sounds of the jailers talking echo from the walls. The prisoners watch the shadows on the wall and hear the sounds of the jailers. The shadows on the wall are the prisoners' reality. They believe that to be the real world, but that soon will change. Yeah, and you can actually uh, Google image like Plato's um, allegory of a cave and you can get some really cool images that uh, demonstrate what I'm or display or illustrate I guess is the word I'm looking for they illustrate what I'm talking about 
illustrate this idea of like people being in a cave and having uh, a fire shining light and shadow or casting uh, shadows of objects onto a wall for, for the people stuck in the cave to see. It's worth checking out just to get a better picture of what I'm talking about. Okay, what part was I? Oh yeah, but that will soon change. One prisoner is freed from the chains. Lifting himself from the ground, he looks around the cave and sees the fire burning behind him. Initially, the fire is too bright for his eyes, which have never seen direct light, and he is tempted to return to his reality. However, he's dragged out of the cave towards a brighter light in the distance. Eventually, the prisoner makes it to the cave's exit, where he is greeted by the beaming sun. It is far brighter than anything he's encountered, and he's initially blinded. As the prisoner's eyes adapt to his new environment, the outside world, reality, presents itself. After spending his life in the cave, he's unsure what to make of it all. His previous ideas of reality are challenged as he emerges onto the surface. In awe and confusion, he wanders outside of the cave, exploring the new environment, filled with life, beauty, and wonder. He sees the trees, the birds, the ponds, and the sun. The prisoner processes the fact that he has been a prisoner his entire life and that his ex- existence within the cave was a mere illusion. Following this tremendous discovery of the real world, he's compelled to return to the cave to share the truth with the others. He wants to explain that they've spent their lives as prisoners and there's a whole world outside of the cave far superior to life within the cave. That their lives have merely been, been shadows on a wall. When returning to the cave, the prisoner, accustomed to the sunlight, cannot see well in the darkness. Finally, when returning to the prisoners to share the news, they believe that the freed prisoner has gone mad or been harmed since he cannot see in the cave. They do not want to be harmed in such a way and decide it is safer to stay. They even react violently, threatening to kill him should he try to bring them out of the cave. The other prisoners stay in the cave to live the rest of their lives as prisoners in a reality created for them. Yeah, so that's the allegory of the cave. It's uh, quite mind-blowing in some ways when you like really read it and think about it for a while. It's uh, like, you know, when you, the, the part where the, it describes the person being freed and kind of turning back and looking at the fire and just being blinded by it because it's so bright and, you know, feeling discomfort. That's so true for us, right? When we finally decide to find the truth and look for it. And the truth is always this blinding bright light that like is so hard to look at because it disrupts your whole world and it makes you think like what like this is difficult right like you know when someone tells you something uh that you know is true but like it hurts your feelings (laughs) why does it hurt your feelings (laughs) right like is it because maybe you've been like neglecting it this whole time and uh, you feel bad (laughs) right That, that definitely happens to me all the time you know i've been doing something wrong I've been saying the wrong thing and finally someone corrects it and I have this huge like inner like sinking feeling in my stomach that I feel so bad and I want to lash out and just say like shut up but you know inside I know I know that it, the <laughs> the truth it 
matters more than me being right and this sinking feeling. This, the feeling will go away. I will get used to the brightness of the light. And the thing is, is that's not even the truth, complete truth. That's just a start because that's just the fire in the cave. But then you, if you step out of the cave completely and go to the outside world, then you see the blazing sun, which in the, in the allegory, like blinds him, right? Like, ah. And then the crazy thing is, is once you see this world and you want to share it with your loved ones, with your friends and family, then you come back, back into the cave. And now you can't even see anything in the cave because you're so used to the light that you can't even navigate in the darkness. Nothing makes sense. And that's, that's what get descri- gets described in the allegory as well. And of course, the, the final nail in the coffin is when like you try to help your friends and family and they think you're the crazy one. And they, they're like, oh, well, you can't even see in the darkness. Like, why should we trust you? Quite a powerful little story, the allegory of the cave. Uh, Plato wrote this thousands of years ago, and it still is, um, it still is relevant because uh, we, you know, these things don't change. People are more than happy to live in darkness and be told what to do and what to think. Not everyone, but many are. And it's hard to convince them to want to break free from their chains, to look at the discomfort, uncomfortable, blazing, bright light that makes their eyes hurt. That's just, that's just how it is. Let's see how much time we got. This is where I'm at around 25 minutes or so. Maybe I'll do one more. Actually, yeah, actually, I forgot about this. So I was on Twitter and I saw that there is a tweet by Justin Trudeau, our second rate prime minister, who is announcing a new Ukraine sovereignty bond, a new way for Canadians to provide direct support to the to, to Ukraine. These bonds will help the Ukrainian government continue operations like providing essential services and purchasing fuel before winter. So now, you know, there, there's only so much money that they themselves can send to Ukraine. So they're now asking Canadian people to take money out of their pockets to send to Ukraine. Meanwhile, many Canadians here can't even have clean water, but, you know, that's not important. What we care about is the Ukraine. Here, let me see if I can play this video. withstand Russia's ongoing attacks. Since the start, we've been working with international partners to effectively flow money to Ukraine. Effectively flow money from Canadians to Ukrainians because apparently Ukrainians matter more than Canadians do. Lots of hungry, homeless Canadians that uh, are... (laughs) you know, unable to make ends meet. I've seen like some stories about how like 20% of people can't even afford groceries anymore uh, due to the inflation caused by his government, his attacks on poor people. But he'd like to point everyone's attention to Russia's attacks of Ukraine, you know, which of course are horrible and all, but, you know, like this is, 
the Cuban Missile Crisis just the opposite, right? Why did America freak out when the Soviet Union put nukes, missiles in Cuba right in America's backyard? Why did that happen? It's obvious why, because it's a huge threat. It's a huge threat if somebody's setting up a nuclear arsenal in your backyard. They could be sending those to your major metropolitan areas before you have a chance to do anything. Just the same as why Russia's freaking out that NATO wants to take Ukraine in and set up a military base there with nukes that could you know, reach Moscow and other Russian metropolitans in no time whatsoever. Like, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. But we're supposed to feel bad about the attacks that the Russian government is doing. Like, of course, we feel bad, but we don't have to give all of our money to Ukraine. Like, maybe Ukraine can figure out some sort of diplomacy with Russia and end this, or some of the countries nearby can help solve this. Like, we across the... Atlantic Ocean, what the hell do we have to do with any of this? Uh, it's just my opinion. I'm not going to keep playing this stupid video. Uh, that's that's uh, that's our little uh, second-rate prime minister, failed uh, drama teacher, you know, coming up with new plans. And I'm sure, I'm sure Canadians are not going to buy this bond because no one's got any spare money to buy bonds to support Ukraine sovereignty, first of all. So what's going to happen? Well, most likely, if you want to put some money on it, the Bank of Canada will buy the bonds. And yeah, they will just print more money out of thin air and buy these bonds, contributing to more inflation, contributing to more of our money becoming worthless. So that's what's going to happen. And maybe with that... I will come to an end for today's podcast. Sorry about uh, not releasing it on Monday this week. Uh, one of the few times that I haven't been able to get it out by Monday just so happened that uh, it wasn't going to be possible because uh, on Monday, usually my child goes to daycare. If I don't get it, get it finished by uh, Sunday evening, then I'll always be able to record on Mondays. But uh, this week... Before I was going to drop my kid off at uh, daycare, I got a message from the person who runs the daycare saying that all the other kids had uh, gotten ill. So if Bennett went to daycare, he'd be the only kid. So I was like, there's no point in going. So he, since he was staying home, I didn't have any alone time to be able to record this week on Monday. So a bit of a late Tuesday one this week, but hope you enjoy it. Please uh, continue to rate the podcast, share the podcast, leave comments, all that social media goodness that helps promote it. Uh, appreciate you all for doing so. And as always, stay active, be grateful. J Mart out.